Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made this way of salvation, that we could have your spirit living in our hearts and we would have hope of being transformed more and more into the, into the image of Christ as we yield to your spirit. And God, I look to you now and I need your spirit to fill me and help me ministering the word to your church. Fill my dear wife with your spirit, relaying the message and sign and Father, be with those in the nursery and fill with thy spirit watching the children. I thank you for the word that's gone forth already to the children and the adults in the Sunday school hour, dear God. I thank you for each one that's here with us, both here and online. And Lord, I pray that we would be challenged in this thing of godliness and holiness and purity. It certainly has been a theme orchestrated by you this morning. Father, uh, the world around us needs to see uh, Christ through us. And that only happens when we yield to your spirit and we are sincere about this thing of sanctification. And Lord, I pray that, that you would help us in that. And, and Father, we thank you and praise you for all your goodness and blessings on us. And, and we look forward, Lord, to your coming and but we want to be used more and more of you and be more and more like Christ, God, as, as we look for your coming. And I pray that you would help us in that this morning. And Father, we, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Uh, pure, clean, free from corrupt desire, from sin and guilt, free from every admixture of what is false, sincere, genuine, Blameless, innocent. Unstained with guilt. In a similitude or a picture, like a vine cleansed by pruning and so fitted to bear fruit. Certainly that's what God has for every one of his children. He wants to make us more like Jesus Christ. Christ came to save his people, what? From their sins. <laughs> yes, that's the penalty of sin, thank God. But it's also what? The practice of sin. He wants us to set that aside, cast it off. 
and put on righteousness. He wants us to grow in this thing of purity. Um, And it's only by his grace and power that we'll do that and that Christ will shine through us. Looking at being pure in heart uh, this morning, purity must be, number one, purity must be planted in salvation. Purity must be planted in salvation. Isaiah 64, 6 reminds us we are all as an unclean thing, impure. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. You see, after the fall of man, mankind is impure. We know that we're sinners by nature. Uh, We can't even do something right, right. Without being saved, when you do something right, it becomes what? (laughs) Self-righteousness. That pride, that thing that Brother Chris was talking about. That thing, by the way, that's first on the list of what God hates. (laughs) That's where mankind stands after the fall. Well, how are we going to do this pure thing then? Well, we won't without salvation. It would be impossible. Some of you uh, plant gardens. How many of you plant gardens? Just raise your hand. I see some hands going up. All right. Uh, some of you are... Who, who's still waiting to put seed in the ground? I see some hands going up. Okay. We've still had some freezes. Amen. It's not, not quite, quite the time yet. Uh, So uh, for those of you who have not put any seed in the ground yet, are you expecting something to come up? Absolutely not. (laughs) It's not going to spring up unless the seed's put in the ground. And there's no purity in mankind apart what what God provides. Amen. In order for us to be pure... God had to plant a seed. The seed of salvation. And put his Holy Spirit in us. And uh, otherwise we, we'd have no hope of being pure. Uh, Job said in Job 14.4 Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. <laughs> That's where we'd be. If God hadn't provided salvation. There would be no sense in reading Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. (laughs) Because God is the one who has to make us pure. Amen. We have to yield to him. In this thing of purity. But I'm thankful. That God has sown the seeds of purity upon this earth. His word. Amen. God's word is pure. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Every time God's word goes out, he's sowing pure seed. Proverbs 30 verse 5. Every word of God, every word of God is pure. He's a shield unto them that put their trust in him. And by the way, 
That's where purity starts, amen? We hear that what? Pure word. The Holy Spirit convicts, and we what? Yield to it or not. Hopefully we yield to it. That's what God wants us to do. And when we yield to that in salvation, we get what's called born again. And God uh, puts his Holy Spirit in our heart. Thank God for that. Uh, salvation is really, it's purification for the Christian. In uh, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and following, we are looking for that blessed hope. The glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. One and the same as Brother Chris shared this morning. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. That's the end game for God. You see... He gave himself for us, I like this, that he might redeem us. Yes, I know he cleansed us through Christ, but he redeemed us. He claimed us. He bought us. He paid for us. He claims us as his own through salvation. <laughs> and then what does he do? Well, he goes on to start what he finished. God is what? The author and finisher of our faith. Now he wants to do whatever it takes to make Bob Crawford more like Jesus Christ. Fill your name in the blank. And that's what he's about in your life and in mine. So thank God there is a sense in which every Christian is already pure in the eyes of God. Because you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're born again. You have a perfect, in a sense, pure standing before God. And it's not because of what you've attained. It's because of what Christ has attained for, for us. 2 Corinthians 5.20, uh, the Apostle Paul reminds us that we spread the, mess, the, gospel, the gospel message in Christ's name. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God... For he, hath, he, God, hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made, what? The righteousness of God in him. So as far as who I, who I belong to, as far as where I stand when, it, when, uh, when I die, when it comes to heaven or hell, God looks at me as pure. Why? Because I trusted his son. And it's his righteousness that entered that, that gets people into heaven. When we get saved, we get sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians uh, 1 uh, 13. After that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy with that Holy Spirit of promise. And by the way, he is what? Pure. Amen. And where is he living in you? If you're a believer in your heart, guess what? You have perfect, the perfect Spirit of God living in you. And guess what? You didn't have that before, and neither did I. There was nothing in us that could possibly bring forth any form of purity. God says, I'm starting work now here. 
I'm going to count you pure. I'm going to count you righteous. And now I'm going to change you. And I've put my spirit in your heart. He seals it with the Holy Spirit. We're children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And Peter referring to this. Uh, he, uh, he tells us. Uh, he, he remembers that. Uh, uh, when he witnessed to Cornelius. And his Gentile friends that were with him at his house. And he gave them the gospel. And at that point, many Jews mistakenly uh, thought maybe only the Jews could be saved. Or at least he had to become a Jew to be saved. And Peter witnessed something different. He gave the gospel to the Gentiles, and they believed. And, and Peter uh, writes this and says this in Acts fifteen nine. He put no God put no difference between us and them, Jew and Gentile, purifying their hearts by faith. Did you get that? When you got born again, if you're a Christian, when you're a Christian, you got when you're a Christian, you did get born again. If you're a Christian, and when you did, your heart was purified in God's eyes. And it has remained purified in that standing. It's purified because of that. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. In Hebrews 10.14 By one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. That's that, uh, that purity, thank God, that we enjoy in position. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12 tells us uh, that we, because we're saved, are to be giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers, partakers of the inheritance, not talking about rewards, of the inheritance of the saints in light. Colossians 2.11, you are complete in Him. Did you get that? So we are Meet. We are fit. You say, our preacher, you mean, to you mean to try to tell me you're worthy of heaven? Yes, I am. 100%. Well, that's pretty haughty, isn't it? No, I can, I can faithfully tell you, I have done all that I need to do to enter heaven. Well, that's even more haughty. No, it isn't. You see, because all I had to do was to realize I can't do anything. <laughs> And I had to call and trust 110% if you can do that in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. And that's all it requires to get into heaven. That's when God purifies your heart and puts Christ in your heart. When you've, in your heart, you've turned from your sins. You, you only, Jesus. By the way, not, not Jesus and your baptism. Not Jesus and your church. Not Jesus and whatever goodness you try to perform in your life. Try any trust in those things takes away from trust in Christ. Got it? Trusted in those things while you were receiving Christ, you didn't trust fully in Christ. See, we're perfect when it comes to heaven the moment we put it all on Jesus. He's the author. And finish, we're complete in Him. We have that uh, perfection in salvation. I have the word disparity by there. It's because it's a great distance, a great gap. See, in order to be, to be purified in that standing, we have to realize we're hopeless to accomplish that ourselves. And we trust the Lord.
So that's where it really begins. And then he puts what? His Holy Spirit in our heart. Secondly, uh, secondly, so not only are we, is, is purity planted in salvation, God, uh, by his word, convicts us, brings us to salvation as we yield, and he puts the Spirit in our heart. But number two, uh, purity must be personalized in sanctification. It must be personalized in sanctification. And the key word here being sincerity. You see, God begins that work where? In our hearts. Inside, doesn't he? Uh, Matthew 23, 26. Jesus said, Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Do we realize that? God is interesting in what? Cleansing first the inside. Cleansing first the inside. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7 and following, God has chosen David to be king of Israel. He calls him a man what? After his own heart. Where was God looking? On the inside. And we continue to read in 1 Samuel 16, 7. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance. But the Lord looketh on the heart. So some people would say, well, then God doesn't care how I dress, you know, or how, you know, how long I wear my hair, or, 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 you know, he doesn't care about all those things. Oh, no, yes, he does. You see, here's the difference. Man can only look on the outward appearance. Did you get that? Man looks on the outward appearance, but what? God looks on the heart. God sees them both. <laughs> and by the way, which one's most important to God? He already said, first, he looks on the inside. See, I can look at you, and you can look at me. We can't even see that part of each other that's most important to God. <laughs> he's looking on the inside first. Yeah, he sees the outside. So there's some people not in church today, because they can't be. And they are right now worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And you know what? God sees that, amen? And he's pleased with that. There are some people in church today, but they don't want to be <laughs> because their favorite show's on now. And them fish were writing, biting really good in that fishing hole yesterday. But they got their Bible, and they're in church, and is God pleased with their worship? No, he's not. <laughs> Why? Because he's looking on the inside first. Everybody else in church is looking and saying, where is brother so-and-so? You know, they're, they're sisters. They're at home, but they're the ones that's, that's, home, that's at, home, at home right now because they can't be, remember? He says, uh, he says look at that. Look at that. And uh, don't worry, buds. Happened to all. Happened to me up here one time. My phone went off. I was preaching. All right. And uh, 
That person, you know, where's blood that's so and so? Sitting there, well, maybe they couldn't be in church. But here's faithful, you know, brother or sister, they got their Bible, you know, they, they, they look just right. Well, they're right with God again today. Now, they're, 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 their mind's not even here. Who sees that? God does. And he puts the inside first, by the way. He puts the inside first. Uh, Paul addressed that problem. You see, we as believers, uh, if we're not careful, when we first get saved and, and we begin to be faithful in church for a while, reading our Bibles and praying and growing, if we're not careful, we can uh, begin to appoint ourselves as spiritual fruit inspectors. You know what I'm saying? But we can't see the inside, can we? We have to remember that. In Romans 14, and for time I'll be brief on the illustration, but that problem had arisen, arisen in the church at Rome. Some were thinking it was, you're more spiritual if you didn't eat any meat offered unto idols. Because God has nothing to do with idols, and that's true. So whenever you eat a meat, you better check out the history of that thing. Make sure it was never uh, leftovers from, the offer, from an offering to an idol somewhere, and then you find out, don't eat it. You're spiritual if you do that. Other people thought, no, 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 you're all wrong. You're spiritual if you do eat, because in Christ you're free, you're liberated. And if you think that you have to refrain from eating meat uh, on, on the idols, you're not grown up yet. Both of them could be wrong in a case, what? Well, first of all, uh, the person eating the meat might not be doing it proudfully and boastfully. They just realize it is true. Nothing is to be refused. It's all good of God if you're a Christian. And they're eating it in a proper way. Not in front of the weak brother who was so into idolatry that if he, that, that, that if he, if he realizes that what he's eating is a leftover meat, from worshiping the idols, he thinks of all that wickedness he was in before, so he can't eat it. And by the way, that's a good thing for him. Why? Because his conscience isn't ready yet. See that? That might be where the brother is that won't eat the meat. So both of them are wrong. There's a good reason not to eat meat idols sometimes. And by the way, it's okay to eat meat offered sometimes. Amen? It depends on the circumstance. And it depends on what? What's inside the heart. Amen? That's what God looks at. That's what God looks at. You be careful about that. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. Follow peace with all men. And holiness, which out which no man shall see the Lord. And and so here I think we have synonymous with what in meaning what we're what we're reading here in Matthew five eight. Purity in a sense is synonymous with holiness there, and the word follow there is to pursue. And Paul said, "I press toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God." That word follow is the same. It's not a leisurely stroll. It's pressing toward the mark. It's pursuing purity. Pursuing holiness. 
Same idea here, without which no man shall see the Lord. No man shall see God. We'll talk about that in just a little, just a little bit. Following God in, that, in a zealous pursuit. <clears throat> you see, we are, we are complete in Christ. <clears throat> and we are, by the way, completely able in our sanctification to follow the Lord. We have to remember that too. What I'm saying is, being pure the way that God wants us to be here in Matthew 5.8 is for all of us. And by the way, we can do it. We can be there and see God. What's Paul talking about here? Uh, in Philippians uh, chapter 3 and verse 12, he's speaking about uh, uh, maturing spiritually in such things. And he says, uh, in, in writes in uh, Philippians 3.12, he says, not as though I already attained. I'm not sinlessly perfect, he says. Either already perfect, but I follow after. There's that word press, pursue. If that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Jesus saved me to make me more like him. Paul said, I want in on that. <laughs> if Jesus is, it, it gave his life so I could be more like him, then I want to give my life so I can be more like him. That's what he's saying. I want to pursue it that much. And went on to say what? I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want to be more like Christ every day. And by the way, it's not some silly thing that I just say and don't think about it and strive toward it and press toward it. Holiness. Yes, we're not sinlessly perfect. We understand that. And by the way, Anybody who's going to be pursuing uh, 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 purity and drawing close to God is going to be aware of that by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's not a pursuit that ends in this life. It's a continual thing. What did Job say in Job 9.20? Uh, uh, he said, if I justify myself, mine own mouth shall condemn me. <laughs> God said, blessed are the pure. Well, I'm glad I finally made it. Kind of, like, kind of like humility in that sense, you know. I'm glad I finally attained purity. Now, now I'm looking for God because I'm there. That's, that's, not, that's not the case. <laughs> not the case. Uh, if, if I say I am perfect, it shall also prove me perverse, Job said. By the way, this was the man whom God said he's, he's the man to follow. He's the man really that's pure in heart is what God was saying. And Job said, yeah, well, boy, I, I, I'm still pressing toward that. You see, where do we need to be then? Uh, what, what is this pure, 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 in, pure in heart thing? Uh, it's pure in the, in the sanctification process, yielding to the Holy Spirit. Christ gave himself to uh, redeem us from all iniquity, purify us by the Holy Spirit. 
In 1 Corinthians 4.4, Paul writes this, and here it is. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not here by justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. What was Paul Paul saying? As far as I know, I am absolutely 100% right with my God right now. We just sang what? Nothing between my soul and the Savior so that his blessed face may be seen. Didn't we just sing that? That's what Paul said there. That's where he was. He said, right now, as far as I know, there is nothing between my soul and the Savior. Holy Spirit hadn't convicted me about some sin that I'm putting off. Ah, it's not that important. Oh, and by the way, where is, all, where is all this happening? Inside Paul. He knows everything the Holy Spirit has convicted him of. He has confessed it or yielded to it at this point. He might have just made it. He might have just sinned five minutes ago. But he got that right. And as far as he knows right now, he says everything is clear. Nothing between pure and seeking to be like Jesus. Now he says, uh, he writes uh, there, uh, Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Yet I know I'm not perfect in in, in practice. He's perfect positionally. Because God might show me in five minutes something's wrong in my life. And by the way, by the way, there might be something, a, a sin that's obvious in my life to you, and I'm not aware of it. And in the next five minutes, God might show me that, Paul said. But he, he's my judge. And I'm dealing with him. My heart is open to him. And right now, everything's right. He hadn't showed me anything more yet. You may come along in five minutes and say something to me, and God say, that's right. Better get that right, Paul. Then he'd have to do, do what he did before. What we all do, he'd have to confess that and get it right you know, and go on. You see what I'm saying? It's there for all of us. At this thing of walking walking in purity now the end of the commandment 1 Timothy 1.5 is charity out of what? a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned see point number two is dealing with the inside being sincere in our sanctification because God wants to do work where first? on the inside God wants me to hate sin more. God wants me to love righteousness more. He's working on the inside of me and you. That's where he's working first. A good conscience. Paul said what? He labored to have a conscience always void of offense between what? God and man. Loving God and your neighbor as yourself. Okay, God, if I failed you there somewhere, did I turn my back on a neighbor or not go see some? Is there some sin the Holy Spirit brought up there? It's not right. Paul said, nope, right now there's not. Or as I know, I've done what God's called me to do toward God and man. My conscience is clear. Five minutes, God might show him something else. But we need to be what? Keep, we, 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 we need to be t- 
turning away from our sins, confessing them, and walking away from them. By the way, sins of the heart. Sins that nobody else sees. Brother Chris was mentioned in that internet. Brother Nelson and I were talking about that the other day too. There's so much filth on the internet and things on TV. What are we watching and putting into our eyes and into our ears? God knows. What are we doing with that? Are we walking with him in that? Where do, where do our thoughts go? Where do they wander and dwell on? God knows. By the way, he's more interested in that first. That's what he's watching first. And most eagerly. And if we'll be wise to grow, we'll get a hold of that truth. See, because if I'm concerned about the inside of me, that's going to keep me busy. How about you? <laughs> That's going to keep me real busy. I won't have to worry about becoming holier than thou. If I, if, I am, if, I, if, if I am as concerned about the inside of me as God is, that's going to keep me and God busy. Amen? And that's where God wants to make us pure on the inside. He's working for that. Charity out of a pure heart, of a good conscience, of faith unfeigned, living a life of genuine faith. It's not just a picture, it's not fake. It's not just the outside where what? Everybody else can see, and by the way, where everybody else can only see. We can take care of that, that, that realm pretty well, can't we? <laughs> no, but God's watching what? The inside. And purifying us there first. And bringing us closer to him. <clears throat> but we can experience this purity. Proverbs 22.11 He that loveth pureness of heart for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. Purity. Uh, Psalm 24. Three, David writes, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Who's going to serve the Lord? He's, the idea is, 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 is laboring in the temple and such, uh, going to the temple with a right heart, with, with a sacrifice and such. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Listen, we can know that. Why? Because we're believers. Just as God has made us meet for heaven, God has what? Uh, enabled us he had also made us able ministers of the new testament that means if god says uh, jesus says blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god you can be pure in heart and see god and so can i that's for us too and he's enabled us for that god put all everything you need inside of you to make that happen amen it's in his holy spirit it's in his word. And thank God uh, we, can, we can experience that. Uh, that purity. <clears throat> purity is going to be thirdly practiced in conversation or our life. Uh, charity coming out uh, of our life as we, as we are purified within. 1 Timothy 4.12 Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, 
in spirit, in faith, in purity. Think about that for a moment. You're serving the Lord. He's working through you. Other people are watching. There's another person in the church. They're serving the Lord. And they're doing all the same kinds of things you're doing. And by the way, even more in some cases. But they're doing it for the praise of men. You're doing it for the glory of God. And because you want to see God. We'll get there in a moment. You're doing it for a deeper relationship with God. Who's advantaged? Who's really being an example in purity? The person doing it what? From the heart. Well, you haven't preached that now it's fair because the other guy gets the same amount of credit. You know, everybody thinks he's pure too. Well, hey, God knows the difference, doesn't he? We live for an audience of one, really, amen? If we, if, we get, if we get that straight, then the rest of it will fall in place. Yeah, everybody, everybody thinks, he, you know, thinks, thinks he's pure too. Well, it's a big deal. Uh, the fact is, you are pure. And there's a big difference, amen? And by the way, you'll reap the benefits of that. And the hypocrite is not, will not. That'll be a game that, that, that's a game you can't keep up with. <laughs> Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Uh, Hebrews 12, 14. Uh, Follow peace with all men. And, and purity. He says, follow peace uh, with all men and holiness. And it's kind of synonymous with purity, what I'm talking about here. With all men. So, so it's involved in our, in our testimony. But we know what's inside. See, it's got to be right inside to be pure. You can have a fake on the outside, but that's not pure. It may actually be a righteous deed, but it's not holy. It's not pure. It's not true righteousness, as the Bible would term it. And then finally, uh, this thing of purity. We see the prized illumination of purity. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. They shall see God. That Greek word there has the idea of more than just looking on something. It implies not only the mere act of seeing, but also the actual perception, knowledge, understanding of what one sees to gaze with the eyes open wide as that something wonderful remarkable marvelous is what this see means brother brian just finished putting the motor in in in, in his in his truck you finished that you got that all in there brother get in there and uh I'm sure he's learned a lot more about motors going through that and, and knew far more, th more than me than going into that. I'm sure, you know, we look at uh, Brother Chris and Brother Charlie and others, and, and I can name uh, uh, that you, you look, you, 
take two of us, look at the motor, and we both see the motor. But I'll guarantee you, these guys have seen more than I have <laughs> uh, looking at it. Why? Because they look at it with what? Understanding. They might have noticed something that, well, that, that's going to need replaced. They saw a leak there, and, and I thought, well, that's a beauty. You know, we, but, but what? We both just looked at this. We both saw the same thing. We, we saw the Greek word to be blepo, in a sense. It, it, it was just before our eyes. But that's not the word here. This word is for seeing with a deeper understanding. Seeing with a knowledge a knowledge to experience to attain to enjoy uh, uh, the same word is used in John 3 uh, in 336 uh, uh, in uh, he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life and he that believeth not the son shall not see life but the wrath of God abideth on him a lost person is not going to experience anything about eternal life they'll never know what true life is really like see it's a and experiencing a closeness to God. Paul said that I may know him. Uh, Paul said uh, he wanted to be even involved in the fellowship of his sufferings if that's what it costs to know him. I wonder if we're there yet to know Jesus Christ, to follow him closely. Interesting study in, in John 19.36. Give you the scriptures here anyway. In John 19.30, uh, I just have six up there, I think, and I have 36 here. <clears throat> Which one's right? Let's see here. <clears throat> John. Must be six. <clears throat> oh, neither one's right. Man, I got the wrong book. <clears throat> I hate it when I do that. Uh, Where's that at? John 1936. <laughs> Must be, see, 20. Yeah, here, oh, here it is. Yep, yeah, sorry, John. Yeah, John 19. 1937. 36 and 37. John is witnessing the cross. He says uh, he has just uh, seen uh, Jesus pierced with a spear, John 19, 34. One of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith there came out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record. Who's that, John? And this record is true, his, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true that you might believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be filled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again another scripture saith. They shall look on him whom they, whom, 
whom they pierced. That term, look on him, is the same word. But there's something going on here in this passage that's different. John, the Spirit's bringing the Scriptures to mind. And John remembers the Scriptures. And he sees how Jesus is fulfilling them. He says uh, in verse uh, 34, one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. He says, uh, look at verse uh, 32. There came soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw uh, that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. John is observing what is happening to the body of Christ. And the Spirit is bringing the, whole, the scriptures to mind that associate with that. These things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. That scripture was fulfilled there on the cross. A bone of him was not broken. But the next one wasn't. He says about the next one, And another scripture saith, there's another scripture that mentions him being pierced. He had to be pierced for that scripture to come true. He's taking note of that. If, if that hadn't happened, that scripture would not have been able to be fulfilled. So he had to be pierced. But that scripture that John was referring to is not talking about the cross. In uh, look at Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. Zechariah 12:10. God says to Zechariah, I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall, boy, this is powerful. You want to talk about deity, about a verse for. God is man. Uh, and they shall, by the way, who's, who's speaking? I will pour out the house of David, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplication. God is speaking, Jehovah God. And they shall look on who? Me, whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him. That's the incarnate son. See, they're one and the same. They shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his, his firstborn. That did not happen at the cross. That will happen when? When Christ returns at his second coming. Why? Because the Jews who are saved, they see Jesus who was pierced. That didn't have to happen. And what do they do? They believe and with knowledge, which is, see, John put that scripture into Greek exactly right. Because Zechariah was talking about the second coming. 
after the rapture. And when they see him then, what do they see? They see him with knowledge and understanding. And he used the exact right Greek word that Zechariah would have meant. Even though it didn't apply to the particular time John was talking about now, they didn't do any mourning for him then. They didn't see him then, whom they pierced. But at the second coming, what? They'll see him then. And they'll know, wow, that one that we pierced, that one that offered himself, is our Messiah. And they believe. You see, it was a deeper understanding. It was a deeper understanding. It was knowing him. I'll probably preach a message on it, but I'll, but I'll uh, close just with the illustration. I was reading through the, the, uh, the uh, vow of the Nazarite recently in my uh, Old Testament devotions. <clears throat> and... Uh, <clears throat> Get there. <clears throat> Take too long to get there. <clears throat> Must have been back farther. Huh? Don't remember where it's at. <clears throat> The cakes. Oh, the Nazarite. Where is it? I read a little further than uh, I thought. Well, I know it was in Leviticus, so I must have passed it. But it's interesting. I apologize for that. I'll look that up and let you know where that's at so you can look it up later. You know where it is right now. You let me know. Uh, but you look at the vow of Nazarite, and it goes through that. What did they do? They. they took a, a, a vow and they were they were presenting themselves to the Lord they would refrain some, uh, from, you know, from, from drinking wine and, and uh, uh, they would refrain from earthly pleasures and such in a time of worship and seeking the Lord the, the males they would even grow their hair long as a symbol of, of bearing shame for God and being willing to do that and they would make these vows and they would keep their and, they, and hopefully they would keep them and after that portion of scripture, we have the blessing where God blesses Israel with. God make his face shine upon you. You know, God be merciful to you. Make his countenance uh, you know, shine, shine upon you and through you. That's right after the vow of the Nazarite. And I thought that was interesting. Because what did a Nazarite do? He stepped back from all earthly pleasures for a while to be submitted to God. And then right after that, you have the blessings of God where God says, my countenance will shine through you. See, when we are seeking God and wanting to know him, our joy and his shining through us is not dependent upon what? The world it's not dependent on anything the world gives. That glow, so to speak, of knowing God. Think about this.
God answers prayer. We see that wonderfully. We get in a hard time and we rejoice. The need's provided. And we, re- and we should. We should rejoice. Amen. Uh, God, you know, providing for the, for the cooks and, and giving them support and, and uh, Brother Chris's friends being able to get the truck and stuff and the, 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 those kind of things. And we rejoice in that. And we should. We pray for healing and we're seeing believers heal. We've seen that in miraculous ways. Thank God. And we rejoice in that. And we feel a joy in that when God meets that need. You know, that's, that's good. But isn't there something better? What if there's a joy when God doesn't meet the need? What if there's a joy when God doesn't heal? What if there's a joy when God doesn't answer the question we think we so desperately need to know. You see, if there's, if there's that kind of joy, that kind of joy can't be taken away. That's riches, brethren. Because the world can't touch it. The circumstances can't touch it in my life, and they can't touch it in your life. The other one may come and go as the circumstances change. We may not know the spirituality of that one as long as the circumstances are good. But, hey, if there's a deeper joy that's not dependent upon those things, don't you want that? Don't we desire that? I tell you what, I do. That's riches. If I can have that, regardless of what the world does, that's what I want. I want to pursue that. Blessed are they that are pure in heart. What? For they shall see God. I'll guarantee you, Jesus Christ saw God in in that kind of fellowship. His fellowship was 100% with the Father all the way through what? Through everything that he faced. Even the most difficult situations where God turned his ear away from him. Where God forsook him on the cross. I tell you what, that's riches. God says, you purify your heart. You let me work through your heart. You will become more and more less dependent on things going well to show the joy of Christ. Matter of fact, we'll look forward to some situations. When situations come that are rough, we realize this is where I can shine. This is where God will help me what I I know I can't do right now without Him. Hey, I can can glorify God as much as anybody when my car gets fixed at a cheap price, you know. I have no problem, you know, uh, praising the Lord there. I'm not sure if it's my flesh or the Holy Spirit. But when a hard time comes, and my heart inside where God's looking first and foremost knows I can't do this I can't rejoice in this how do I share that but that hope comes and I, and I receive joy in my heart from that hope because I want to serve God no matter what then what happens God shines through me and through you in a way that only God can and the world says that's different. 
That's different. God is saying to every one of us, you and I, we have the ability to live that way because he put it in us. Sure as we're fit for heaven, he has made it so you and I can live that way if we yield to his spirit. And he just wants us to do that. He just wants, for his, for his glory, for his glory. And when we have experienced that, folks, there's no, you can't put a price tag on that. Uh, we'll, by the way, that'll create a thirst <laughs> for more and for more and for more. And God will work that out in our hearts and lives. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and goodness. And I do thank you that you use us in our imperfections and weaknesses. You know better than even we ourselves where each of us stand, and you always do. Uh, Solomon said, Thou only knowest the hearts of men. But God, you love us. And we know from your word that we can be pure. And we can see you in the manner that you have said in Matthew 5, 8. We're thankful for being saved. Thankful that you've made us fit for heaven. But God, we also are fit and enabled by you to have that fullness of joy. We think of what you said through Christ, these things write I unto you that your joy might be full. That my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. It's that kind of joy. It can't be taken away when things go bad, we think. When things we think seem to go wrong, we can put it in your hand. We can know that you're doing something for our good. We can know that you will give us strength and show hope through us. That really is a form of joy in that sense. As we look to you to make us more like Christ through it and to trust that somehow you'll use it for that and to point others to Christ as well. And Father, uh, I know that I've seen that in the life of believers, spirit-filled, who've gone through trials in this church. And it's been such a blessing to me. And I pray that's been true in my life in some ways to others. And Father, might we, with the same heart of the Apostle Paul, pursue that kind of pureness, that kind of holiness, that kind of knowing you in relationship with you, that it might be no question, that your, your face might shine through us, your countenance might be upon us, might be lifted up upon us. And God, that we might be more like Christ. And Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.